Hey y'all, welcome back to a new episode of Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. Today we're going to be talking about chapters 15 and 16 of The Chalice of the Gods. We have a brand new special guest, brand new to the podcast. I was about to say brand new to Earth, but that's a little that's a little <laughs> disrespectful. It's a young person. <laughs> we'll have a fresh perspective. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast where we're discussing the Chalice of the Gods. If you listen to our intro, that's right. We have a young person. Everyone get excited. Uh, freshman <laughs> in college. Young. We're talking Gen Z. One year older than Percy Jackson. <laughs> he doesn't know about Snuggie Countdown on YouTube. <laughs> Probably doesn't know about Ryan Higa. Uh, do no, you know I Ryan do Higa? know Ryan Higa. Oh. Of course I know Ryan Higa. <laughs> Don't let I me... Was- Slander your name, Rebecca. Yeah, it's some history is still being taught. I was raised on him. (laughs) Well, everybody say welcome to Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Oh my gosh. Um, you are here for the first time Mm -hmm. on Seaweed Brain. And we have so many questions to ask you. Questions from our first season, questions from right now. But the first question is like, what's your relationship with Percy Jackson? Why are you here today? Percy Jackson was the first love of my life. I will say. <laughs> I started reading the books in like third grade, I think. I just loved them. They just drew me in and like the whole prophecy thing, like the first series was so good. It was honestly the Logan Lerman image was part of it too because I started reading them like after the film came out that like people don't talk about. But I always pictured Logan Lerman with the book and then I started reading the books and I was like this is like way different not what I expected and I just kept reading them and then I reread them during COVID which is when I had like a bigger brain and could understand what was happening and then I was like wow this is like literature (laughs) like this is like amazing and then I went through like the spiral of like reddit threads and theory analysis (laughs) so yeah how old were you when you first read them post seeing the film so I don't remember the film at all like barely because I was so young I just remember like the poster and like Logan Lerman's face Rebecca is like my earliest known sentient memory (laughs) is Logan Lerman's face (laughs) (laughs) but reading them I think I was seven eight yeah but then i had no idea what was going on in the books i remember i was reading the last olympian and my sister was like do you even know what you're reading because i was like nine (laughs) she was like (laughs) she took the book from me she was like who is clarice and i was like a daughter of achilles or something (laughs) she was like you're not reading these books so i was like oh and then i you know i reread them until i like really understood them Got the plot down. Last Olympian is my favorite out of yeah, all of the scores. Yeah. Well, I feel like I had that exact interaction with my <laughs> really? older sister, but it was with Harry Potter when I was reading oh, them really? like so young. And she was like, um, you don't even understand the lore of the black family. Like, tell me about it. Like, and, like we'll steal the book out of my hands and like <laughs> Wait, quiz me on it. This is Alexa. <laughs> Did you ever feel as a child that you had like a resident godly parent? Or did you take a bunch of quizzes when you were um, little? My dream was always to be like a daughter of Poseidon because I just I just thought like the water powers were so cool. I remember I'd be walking home and like pretending I had like water powers because I was in my Percy Jackson phase. <laughs> I feel like I've never told anyone. Like, would you like stretch your hand out to the river and be like, 
No, I would like look at a puddle of water. <laughs> I can move. Starting small. No, that's that's good. Eye? Would you like move the puddle with your brain or with your limbs? Yeah, my brain. I'd be like, I got it. I'm I'm like crispy. <laughs> and so you reread these books during COVID, and then um, Chalice of the Gods came out, and you were like. Eric, are you reading Chalice of the Gods? And I was like, I have a Percy Jackson podcast, and that's why we're here today. But you you were the one who brought up Chalice of the Gods. So, like, how did you know this book was coming out? Like, did you pick it up, like, right away? Did you fin- – have you finished it? I was reading the books during COVID. That was when Trials of Apollo came out. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this Instagram post, which, like, spoiler alert, Jason – he dies and i was like what in what book like what are what are people talking about and then that's how i found out trials of apollo was a thing because those are coming out probably like early early high school late middle school for me and then i read trials of apollo i didn't finish it unfortunately i don't know for some reason i just wasn't invested in apollo as much as it was percy but that's completely fair <laughs> I started keeping up with like Riordan news because he was like going places with new series, spinoffs, like more characters and mm-hmm. a lot of things. And I started looking at the Instagram and then I found out about Chalice of the Gods, I think like maybe a week before it was coming out. And then immediately I told my sister, she placed a pre-order, everything. And I read it on Kindle. So I read like the first chapter, like the day it came out. But because of like school and laziness, I didn't actually pick up reading it until probably earlier this week. I don't know if it's just because I'm in college now and I actually have a brain, but it's such a light read. <laughs> like it's so easy to read. <laughs> it goes down nice it's and good, like, that middle like, grade like literature. Going, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm going through the chapters pretty quickly. So I'm around where you are, Erica, like chapter 17, 18. Nice. And do you like it so far? Yeah, I love it. I love how light it is. And it's also nostalgic because he goes back to a lot of like the earlier books but at the same time you remember like oh like there's like barely any time that's passed between this book and blood of olympus i think Mm -hmm. even though for us it's been like six years seven years yeah Yeah. do you have like any of the books in hardcover so my sister my first sister she's the one who started reading them she's the one who got me into it and she was reading them when they were first coming out like 2009 eight and she had like a whole series like the original covers which yeah. i stand by are the best covers like i agree and we love the new ones too they're but. good but they're not as the striking good. colors and the yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah, yeah deep yeah. blue the red like the oh so good anyways we have i think our first hardcover was the last olympian same yep i just remember going seeing <laughs> the well. collection of the second series heroes of olympus we had all of those in their original cover too like yeah. I never went out to buy them. They were just always on the shelf when I grew up. Mm. Oh, I remember I got Percy Jackson and the Greek Gods and Percy Jackson and the Greek Heroes. Mm. Those were my first purchases. It's so wild hearing you talk about this because it's really? literally like how I experienced <laughs> Harry Potter. But you're but like the generation because you're like seven years younger than me. <laughs> like <laughs> you had the experience I had with Harry Potter with my older siblings. But you had it with Percy Jackson with your older siblings mm, who mm-hmm. are my age. I feel so mm. old. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be old. Yeah. Wow. That's the point of this book. Yeah. <laughs> and we have one final question. Chalice of the Gods themed. What would the Chalice of Rebecca dispense? Oh, What's your beverage? ideal beverage? Banana milk. Wow. That's a strong answer. Have yeah. you guys ever had banana Wait, you've you never had banana milk? <gasps> no, explain. Oh my goodness. Okay, it's like it's like this Korean drink. You can find it in H Mart easily. They yes. sell them at City Acre 
and food seller too, but they are too expensive in Long Island City. Go to <laughs> go to H Mart and buy them because I remember I was I was taking my lunch break. I went to food seller, get a nice little sandwich. I saw banana milk on the shelf. I was like, wow, like this is making it on the Western shelves. And it was like $12 <laughs> for six. I was like, yes. never. Wait, I have some right next to me. <laughs> They're these like little placement. yellow um, cardboardy containers, like like a box juice kind yeah. of, but it's banana milk. Oh, yeah. cute. They're so cute. Being a Is it actually milk? Yes. yes. Well, it's going to be a no Preserved. They make other versions of it. Like what what are they like Boba Guys? Oh. Like they've done they do a banana milk drink now. There's strawberry milk, coffee milk, melon milk. Melon, like honey. They're coming out with flavors. Very <laughs> cool. Rebecca's chalice dispenses banana milk from H Mart. <laughs> it's a great answer. Amazing. All right. Well, I think we have successfully cross-examined Rebecca, uh, <laughs> resident young person of the day. So now it is time to dive into chapter 15, Yonkers. Carter, where did we last leave off? We last left off. Oh my. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment, a senior moment. Iris. A we last left moment. off with Iris. <laughs> <laughs> Being around young flash. people, you just can't hold it together. Um, your your brain deteriorates more quickly. Um, yes, we last left off with Iris basically assigning us a mini quest. Iris has a hunch about who has stolen the chalice. She's gonna investigate it, but in the meantime, and in exchange for the information. We have to go clean her staff. And specifically, we have to clean her staff in the waters of the River Ellison, which no one knows where they are. So that's what Percy's off to do now. It's like a quest within a quest within a quest. We have to find out where the Ellison is so that we can go there, so that we can clean Iris' staff, so that she can tell us who stole the chalice, so that we can find it and give it to Ganymede. So Percy This is how you college. write a book. This is how you structure <laughs> a book. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 14 ends with, um, fine, I'll wait until Monday and ask my guidance counselor if she knows where the river is. I just hope she doesn't flush me again. Chapter 15. Reader, she flushed me. <laughs> <laughs> what follows is this very delightful interaction that opens this chapter where Percy is, like, arguing with Eudora, or not arguing, I guess, but like having a little bit of impertinence because Eudora is like, wait a second, you talk to Hebe and Iris? But that's like three gods. Like that could be your three recommendation letters. And he's like, what? <laughs> She's like, but. Like, Did you remember to fill out the paperwork knowing that you were going to interact with three gods to get credit for it? <laughs> okay, on page 112. Oh dear, if multiple gods are involved, you could have applied for dual credit. Hebe and Iris might have written you recommendation letters as well. You mean. I could have gotten all three rec letters from this one quest. Eudora nudged her Jolly Rancher jar so it made a protective <laughs> barrier between us. Well, yes, but how about I apply for the dual credit thingy now? I could go back to Hebe. I mentally slapped myself. Okay, maybe not Hebe, but I could go back to Iris. Ah, uh, but you have to apply for the dual credit in advance. I'm afraid it's too late. I glared at Sicky Frog. I felt like punching it in the face, but since it was painted on the brick wall, I figured that might hurt me more than it did the frog. Can't we make an exception? I asked. I mean, I did the work. I'm doing the work. Um, Eudora rummaged through her brochures and pulled out one for New Rome University. No, you see right here, it says dual credit cannot be applied for after the fact. Is that a general rule? I thought I was the only one who had to do these rec letters. <laughs> you are, see? She handed me the brochure at the bottom of a tiny paragraph about dual credit, which I'm pretty sure hadn't been there before. An asterisk led me to an even tinier disclaimer that read, this applies to Percy Jackson. Okay, that's messed up. I didn't know. 
this ga- reader, this gagged me. Listener, this <laughs> gagged me. It's very relatable. This is the college application process, basically. Is um, so true. random <laughs> dumb things that you should have done when you were like 15 that you are now finding out about. Wow, Rebecca, recent applicant of college. Was this book very relatable for you? In a way, like in a very metaphorical way, probably. I just thought it was so like, this is so Percy Jackson to happen. This would only happen to him because I feel like canonically, he's like the most famous demigod at this moment. I would say Mm -hmm. he's like a celebrity. Like, you know, this guy's like been part of the two big prophecies. He's like a legend at Camp Half-Blood. New Rome knows all about him. And he still has to do these like ridiculous side quests. I love the part where it says this applies to Percy Jackson, like just him. It just like singles him out so well. I also think there is something universal and um, timeless about humor about like bureaucracy and like like the sloth at the dmv or like uh (laughs) getting your handbook to check in to the underworld in beetlejuice it's always funny because it's always relatable eudora's like oh you have to go find ellison yes i i do know where he is i can help you out and immediately flushes percy into yonkers Mm -hmm. percy says I could have ended up in Greece or Brazil or who knows how far away. I was fortunate that I ended up in Yonkers instead, which is the first time in history the words fortunate and Yonkers have been used in the same sentence. (laughs) Rebecca, resident young person and also resident resident of New York City, do you have any words about Yonkers culturally? Um, Why this is funny? Just to explain the bit to us. I literally did not know Yonkers was a place until I read the book. Drag I'm them. So sorry. No, that is literally <laughs> as a New York it. City person. Like I genuinely do not know what is above like Manhattan. There you go. Gag them. <laughs> this is fun. Would you like to explain this, Carter? The description is basically of like post-industrial river towns in a lot of America where there's like a lot of pollution. There's runoff. The buildings are not maximally used not highly maintained, which is confusing because, of course, the River Ellison is supposed to be the purest of waters where the Furies go to wash off the stink of the underworld. We don't really know what's going on. It's weird that it would be in Yonkers, and as we're looking around, it's getting weirder. They, they refer to it as the Sawmill River that is home to muskrats. Percy says the water is non-potable. Big word. Big word. Shout out to shout out to them for for educating the the children. He sees no monsters, but he does see like a talon and possibly some snake skin. Mm-hmm. But the best part about this is that he got flushed up here, but he doesn't even have the staff that he's supposed to clean in the river. So he's like, great, guess I'll walk out of the river, find a train station, go all the way back home and come back tomorrow with my friends and the thing I actually need. (laughs) I love that. This was like the kind of setback that you would not experience in a Riordan book if we didn't have 15 whole days to accomplish this quest. You know, true. but it's fun. Yeah. It's a realistic setback. This is That's the pace so that true. I am ready for with a state of my memory and my knees. I want us to have to re-experience the setting several times to get acquainted with it before we have to do anything. Yeah, we have like a little foreshadowing about the dark tunnel. He's like, I looked into the dark tunnel. Yes, mm. I'll go back tomorrow. I <laughs> typically like they're led to where they're supposed to go, but then this is like yeah. the first time you like where they take a step back. And actually come back to place. Adulthood. It's adulthood. Wow. It's like, oh no, wow. I forgot my keys. <laughs> Senior moment. <laughs> Gotta come back to the staff. <laughs> and then from here, we're going to take an ad break before we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 16, Grover busts out the snake songs. We talked about this in our predictions chapter reading episode that Grover has been known to use his nature magic before, but also that Piper is the real queen of the of the snake song. Yes, that's true. And Grover and Piper do know each other. Canonically, it is like very possible that they would have compared notes about this, but Grover doesn't talk about that here. And shouldn't he? And shouldn't he? sources. Yeah. Shouldn't we be talking more? I, there's like a mention of Hazel and Frank in this chapter where Percy calls them his buddies. He's like, oh, my yeah. buddy is Hazel and Frank. I literally was like, yeah, my buddies. Like, they're coworkers, you know? That's what you say <laughs> about your coworker. You're like, oh, yeah, my buddy. Like, hey, buddy. They're yeah. coworkers. The seven were coworkers. <laughs> this is so, wow, yeah. This is a short tangent, but uh, I'm on K-pop Twitter. No one will ever find me there. I am there. I literally found you in like under five minutes. What? That was because I sent you something. You, You listener, you won't find me there. Erica found me because I literally texted her a tweet that was um, from somebody who had like three followers. And I was one of the followers. So but like, funny. anyway, um, the point that I'm trying to make here is that like in this scenario, like the worst insult you can possibly give about a K-pop act is that they are co-workers. And I just think it's so <gasps> funny in this situation. But also like, it's literally mm. true. Like, I, I don't, they don't hang out. Do they? It seems like no. Percy's of an age now where he could, he could, they, they could, they could cross the country. They could make something happen. Maybe they'll hang out next That's year. That's true. They're more like summer now. camp. Summer camp. Summer camp right. buddy. I think that they would grow beyond buddies if, like, freshman year of college, Percy, yeah, when he, they had a friend. goes to New Rome. Mm. Yeah. If they all hung out on Friendsgiving or, like, Friendsgiving the, is big. break, I think that would establish them as more meaningful friends. Yeah. And not you can't just, like, go on a trip across the Atlantic to Greece together <laughs> to, like, prevent the end of the world. You need to do Friendsgiving to, like, really... <laughs> to really solidify. <laughs> you need to burn a turkey in your dorm room. Otherwise, you're not real friends. I know. Also... Wow. This is the first year... Wow. This is also, like, a tangent. This is the first year I'm not going to be in New York for Thanksgiving. And, like, <gasps> like as an adult... This I feel is, really weird about that. This is the first year we're not doing like a Friendsgiving in our young adult life. Yeah, together. Wow. Because we're not friends. Because <laughs> we're just coworkers. We're buddies. <laughs> hey, my, this is my buddy Carter. <laughs> anyway, Yonkers, we're back. <laughs> it's been so we're long. Back. Percy has the staff this time. He says, quote, I'm not sure what the other passengers thought about me carrying the staff of Iris on the subway train. Maybe they figured I was a shepherd commuting to my pastures. I don't know why that broke me. I thought that was so I funny. I love his humor I, so much. I think that that was also a big reason why I got into Percy Jackson. His humor, his sarcasm is like... Like, I've adopted that sense of humor. Yes. This is a phenomenon we love to discuss, which is that <laughs> while Percy Jackson himself is a millennial, 
Percy Jackson like created the humor and helped to establish the humor of the younger generations, you know? Like, would we be ourselves without him? I think I in this book, he's so Gen Z and I love it because I'm like, I relate to this kid so much. Like the way he <laughs> he's talking and how he like is criticizing every single like conversation, interaction, like a sentence. He's like, oh, I would have said, but I held myself back. Like yeah. those moments. I love this is that. An actual, wait, wait, wait. Like this is an actual question I want that we should get your perspective on. Because Percy started out being like a little bit older than us. But then, of course, yeah. his time classes differently in the books. Yeah. He is now, no, like, a little bit I, younger than you. I, so do you feel like he changed generations as that happened? Because he was definitely giving millennial in the beginning. I did. I just had that, like, epiphany that he's, like, a year younger than me. And I always, like, was like, wow, Percy's, like, five years older than me. He's, like, my dream guy kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. But now, like, now I'm older than him. And it's just so weird because of that time thing. And I think, yeah, his voice definitely changed throughout. His voice I dropped. The- <laughs> 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 That's so true. I think the books also adopt more like modern, modern day. That's true. Rick references. is on the internet. So Percy yeah. does always talk like a. He's very. Almost a present day teenager. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long way since Hilary Duff. <laughs> like we came from Hilary Duff. You might even say that Hilary Duff was uh, so yesterday. So yesterday. <laughs> Well, that's a joke for the old people. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. That's okay. (laughs) Listener, so yesterday is a Hillary Duff song that was mentioned in The Lightning Thief. I'll be okay. No, this is a young person moment. I knew about the song So Yesterday because of Percy Jackson, not because of exposure to Hillary Duff. Oh, as a primary source. You didn't watch Lizzie McGuire? Erica, I think we've established that I didn't consume TV until a later age, at which point I went back for the things that were culturally important to me. A lot of my Phineas and Ferb watching was not as the episodes were airing. God. Yeah. Okay, I always forget that. It's okay. Yes. I think you'd have a fun time watching Lizzie McGuire because the thing that they do with her, like, inner versus outer voice was very clever and kind of a big deal at the time. Yeah. No, I remember seeing commercials for the show on TV and being like, that looks so cool. And like innovative. It was also maybe the I should first, watch that. And one of I the first it. Disney shows to inspire like a feature movie yes. theater movie, if not the Which first. Which is where really? um, Hey Now, Hey Now, this, this is what dreams are made of. Yeah, she goes to Italy. Wow. She goes to Italy. She meets her twin. Right. The most okay. Wow, this is <laughs> literally has nothing to do with anything. But Can maybe the fellow olds is, is Hillary Duff. Is that struck work? It is, but Lizzie like McGuire? we're not like this whole podcast isn't it's about old. the Lizzie McGuire movie, so I don't think it could be yeah. considered promotional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for the Lizzie McGuire, the only scene that like not the only scene, but the scene that is the most important to me from the Lizzie McGuire movie is a very Percibeth moment when she is sitting on the plane with Gordo, her best friend who they don't, they're not being romantic together, but everybody knows Gordo has a massive crush on Lizzie. They're sitting next to each other in like a two-person plain, you know, two-person seating arrangement. And (laughs) the sun is like streaming in through the plane window. It's like sunrise or sunset. And Lizzie is asleep and like tilts her head onto his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he like looks down at her and just like doesn't move so that she won't move or wake up. And it's the, I always think about that moment it's so kids on a field trip. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was a massive tangent on Hillary Duff. Realness. Everybody has their backpack packed, right? Percy has the staff. Grover has his pipe. He has snacks. 
Annabeth has a knife, flashlights, and a thermos. Yes. <laughs> she has a thermos of something unidentified for now. Because we're on a field trip. Yes, we're off. We're making our way up through the cave. The, the Yeah, the ceiling of the cave is bioluminescent. So we have some fun doing our little high school graffiti <laughs> on the rope. Um, that was so cute. It's actually quite cute. She moved the beam of her flashlight across the tunnel ceiling, which was coated with moss and lichen so thick, I couldn't tell if there was man-made asphalt or natural rock underneath. Wherever Annabeth's light passed, it left behind a streak of blue-green luminescence. Cool. I used my flashlight to draw a glowing smiley face on the wall. How old are you? Annabeth asked. Eight just last week. That got a smile. I loved (laughs) making her smile when she was trying not to. It always felt like a victory. We spent a few minutes painting light graffiti. Grover wrote pan forever. I wrote AC plus PJ. Annabeth traced concentric arcs until she'd made a blue and green rainbow. The moss kept glowing for quite a while, filling the tunnel with a cool turquoise light. So cute. AC plus PJ. I love Percy. (laughs) He's such a green flag. Every time he talks about Annabeth, it's so cute. I'm like, wow. The concentric circles, too, I thought were very adorable. (laughs) I I was like, this is so accurate to her character. Like, it just made so much sense. I feel like she got out her protractor, you know, and she was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arches are an important, um, innovative architectural feature. Annabeth's arc chase. <laughs> arc, arc, that's what they call it. Arches chase. This is another thing that's like, they just had a couple minutes to do this. Like, I really feel like this is a feature of the 15-day quest that they were like, yeah, we took three minutes to have some teenagery fun and doodle some stuff on the walls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then we get this cool description of where they go next. Yes. Okay. Um. So we're, we're like back in the back of a cave. It opens up. It's wider. It's like a bunch of granite islands. There is more of the mossy light, but we're starting to see the snakes. We're starting to get a sense for the, the danger that was alleged, but we're also getting the other side of it, right? Like we, we can see the vision of like how maybe there's like a pure area off somewhere here, because as you might remember, as we've been walking up following the river through this cave, it's been gross. It has been non-potable. So we're starting to see the vision. There's like an objective that like maybe we're trying to go to like at some point we like scamper up like this little outcropping and we're looking out surveying the area. We see the snakes. We see probably that there's an area that we should be going to that has fresher water maybe further upstream. But of course the snakes are between us and there and we can't kill any of them because Iris asked for a nonviolent quest. Cruelty free. Cruelty free. <laughs> Percy says, the scene reminded me of the fields of asphodel down in Hades' realm. And the fact that I can make that comparison the same way you might say, oh yeah, this looks like Midtown, is a really sad statement about my travel history. <laughs> They're having their Indiana Jones moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are having our Indiana Jones moment. Grover is a little bit like, <laughs> wait, I-, I need to find this. What did he say? Hey, now, check your mammalian prejudices, (laughs) which is an amazing line that more people need to hear. Mm. No anthropocentrism in this um, cave, I guess. (laughs) Reptiles are people, too, he goes on to say. This is very typical characterization, like Annabeth being like, ew, like having like (laughs) no patience and no tolerance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's our girl. I think that reptiles are people too is a fun gag line, but it is actually probably something that there are many academic papers arguing in fields such as comparative literature. That's um, really true. <laughs> 
Grover is really, Grover is taking the lead. Grover's in the title chapter here. We're using his skills a lot. Grover has a good skill set for nonviolent adventures. Yeah. You might remember previously he was he, yelling he's at good the chickens. For spelunking. He's good for spelunking. He's good for talking to the animals and like calming them down and like figuring out what's up. Oh, wow. I'm about to say something so wildly nerdy. But in a D&D campaign, he's your like wood elf. <laughs> he's the one who speaks forest creature. Girl, I guess. Um. <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I am this person now. Percy's narration says, Sometimes I forgot he wasn't a scared junior satyr protector anymore, but a scared cloven council elder. I guess we'd both grown up a lot. That I was found this so to be profound. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Their relationship has changed. Yeah, this is one of the weird artifacts of the book, is that we've like hung out with Percy and Annabeth pretty recently. But like, I don't like, I guess it's been a year roughly since we've hung out with Grover, but a year is like five bucks. Like we, we've done a lot of things with Percy and Annabeth. They went to Tartarus. They've like done a bunch of things together. And like the whole time Grover has been sort of in and out. We need, we need these, these, these moments to check us back in to that relationship, which was important and is important. Rebecca, do you remember feeling like it was weird that Grover wasn't in the Heroes of Olympus series? I did. He was always there in the background. Like they would mention like a sentence about him because like he was fighting in the war, but he was, doing something else like he was yeah he wasn't with the heroes and instead of grover they had coach gleason yeah they had coach yeah. hedge i, I kind of wish they had grover but i guess what they were trying to do with the new series was to like really fuse new characters into the yeah. storyline and then because i guess up until this book it was like yeah you see what percy and Annabeth are doing and grover's just kind of he's accomplishing his own things like he's finding himself outside of Percy and Annabeth, right? Because he's like, he's this like he's like this leader now. He's got the nature, the naiads, the pan campaign he's on. He's, he's making his there. way. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. I never I never really questioned, I feel like, why Grover wasn't there. But do you feel like Rick knew he was a flop? <laughs> like, like, I, I don't want to write Grover like, anymore. I'm gonna try something new. I need Percy and Annabeth to have their own dynamic. And I think he also oh. was like, if all three of them are here then we're really it's, not going to have room for anybody else. Yeah, it's too much focus. Which is true. I, I guess But then so. now, he's like taking the other tack where he's like the other five were the real flop. <gasps> you better be careful, Carter. People Whoa. are going to DM okay. some angry stuff. I'm, I'm saying that if you were to try to read something into Rick Reardon's choices about which books to release and in which order and who's going to be prioritized, <laughs> one, might, one might back out a conclusion. That yeah. Rick feels potentially like the five other members of the seven, yeah, were were light flops, but- and that he needs to prioritize else. <laughs> or like, okay, maybe not flops, but he's like, I, I think he's like when you read the way this book is written, he has decided that in Percy's head that was summer camp, that was a fun detour. Yeah. Now back to the people I actually know, the core and have relationships like with the originals. Yeah. I mean, the boy members of the flop of the seven of the flop. <laughs> <laughs> the boys were flops for me. The boy members of the flop were flops. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, so we true. We can't call all of the heroes of Olympus a flop. That's not what we're no, saying. No, the books were no, not but a flop. Books are not flops. Mm, I think the main characters. Like, I think. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We're not some, some flops. My Percy bias. The blood of Olympus had not a single Percy chapter. Well, they you were... must have not liked the lost hero. Huh? <laughs> 
I was so lost. I I was like, I picked you the were lost the lost hero. hero. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, who is Jason? Who is Piper? And I was about to close the book. I think everyone had this experience. I was about to close the book. And then you finish the last, the first chapter, and it's like she's looking for her boyfriend, Percy Jackson. And then my jaw dropped, and I was like, "Okay, now we're getting when Rick, into it." Specifically, he released two chapters of preview with that because he was like, "You are not getting a preview of this. Does, that does not include Percy Jackson's <laughs> name. I will not allow it. No one will have. No one will get any conception of this book that does not directly name Percy Jackson." Exactly. Wow. Anyway, anyway, we're caught we're caught back up with Grover. Grover Grover's had a productive year and he he's has, bringing he's some, some knowledge and skills back to us that we have seen him use he's before, more, but perhaps heightened and honed. Yeah. He's putting himself out there. And he's adorable. But he says, um, at least I don't see any furies. And Percy says, Yeah, but spaghetti is definitely off the menu this week. <laughs> what? Grover sounded hurt. <laughs> he loves spaghetti. Nothing, I said. That's See, that's friendship. That's not coworkers. That's my best friend, Grover. <laughs> You've never heard Percy be like my buddy, Grover. So Although true. if he is, someone can ask him <gasps> for that. And if I and, and if he did, I will stand corrected. Percy has an empathy link with, oh, <gasps> yeah, with, they do. with just one person. I remain non-human so, individual. I have so many questions about that empathy link. Like, does it still exist? We I used it, like, so. not that long ago. Like, we used it in The Son of Neptune. I think that was the last time. The, I remember mm. them, them, they were talking about, like, oh, like, if one of them dies, they don't really know yeah. what happens on the other end, right? Probably Percy will vegetate as well, is what they said. But we don't know. <laughs> I don't, no, no empirical evidence on this matter. Yeah. I always forget that exists, though. Yeah. It would have been fun to see a callback to that, that, like, instead of the, like, how would you say, instead of the, like, little fan mist squirt bottle um facetime we have empathy link facetime for them yeah where they oh, end up in like yeah. limbo like what am i thinking of? oh janet's void it's like janet's void but it's grover and percy's empathy link mm. void where they can go and hang out and they like play video games and <laughs> it's like a big white space but then there's like one sofa and a bunch of like candy wrappers on the ground <laughs> and they get to sit there and play video games in the void with their empathy link okay oh no well, page 124 are you talking about the loop shout out <laughs> Oh, Fun fact, I was Rebecca surprised. is still younger than Luke was in The Lightning Thief. In The Lightning Thief. Wow. Oh, yeah, they had a huge age gap. Wow, we're the age that Luke was during The Last Olympian. Wait, we're. no. We're older. He was 24, no? He was like he was, 19. He was 19 and, oh, wow. He was 19 in The Lightning Thief, so he would have been 24. 23 or 24 because like, the Titans first was winter. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're older than him. This listener, this gagged me. <laughs> you want to read it, Carter? I kind of wish we had Luke's flying shoes, Annabeth said. Grover winced. Too soon. Five years ago, that pair of cursed shoes had almost dragged Grover into Tartarus. Trauma like that can leave a scar. But what surprised me more was that Annabeth mentioned Luke Castellan, our old friend turned enemy. Since the Battle of Manhattan, she'd almost never said his name. It seemed like a bad omen that she was bringing him up now whoa Wait, can we fact check this because i like we like readers and narrators in some combination through the heroes of olympus have mentioned luke it's not been a ton but there's been non-zero discussions of luke i feel like it's always been percy 
I think it mostly has been Percy. Yeah. But, like, not because of a specific conversation they're having. Like, Percy's just, oh, this thing reminds me of Luke. Oop. I distinctly remember Percy being like, this reminds me of Luke. Tartarus. Yeah. We definitely had those moments where he was like, remember Luke? Oh, that was bad. I hope. Yikes. (laughs) I'm not going to talk to him about that. Oops. Yikes. Um, (laughs) How much do we read into this? So much. (laughs) Listener, so much. I think it was like a sign that they're moving on. Like it's something they can talk about now. Right. That's why she says it. Because it's like, oh, like time's passed. We've, We've grown up from that period. Like they're about to enter like new stages of life. Like that happened yeah. two years ago. Wow. Right. Because like, he was 16. Two years ago for them. <laughs> yeah. Because he was 16 when that happened. And they, they still like, they say like Luke died a hero. They say that, which is. That's <laughs> the thing is, yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, hot, it was a like, hot take. We haven't process like we haven't seen the two of them process this together i don't believe we haven't seen annabeth yeah they didn't have the heart to heart really Mm, that's so true and it's not just like a traumatic thing that they both went through it's also like annabeth had this formative you know like romantic experience within herself that maybe was not that directly externalized but was like meaningful and that they haven't as far as we know i believe talked about together yeah hmm i feel like that's a whole separate topic though because i could like there's so much to talk about but like the fact that she brings it up now i'm like are we going to continue to talk about this is that what this is telling us that like luke is going to be an important figure hovering over these three books i don't think so i think he kind of just does that to throw in like the references just for like the returning readers Right, because he said That's this fair. book I was for that. everyone. Yeah, but you know, it's mostly for those OG readers. I feel like the way that we want the brunch book with all the girls, we need Grover, Annabeth, and Talia to mm. sit down. Oh, so in, true! In a round table, like or and like process. rather crisscross applesauce on the floor that. with Mister D, probably resident mental health counselor, and process. And then to, like, walk out of that room and be like, guys, Luke was complicated. We don't have to forgive him. But if we do forgive him, it's for ourselves and not for mm-hmm. him. And then they can, And we like, don't need to say that he died a hero. We don't yes. need to... Yeah, 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 yeah. We can recognize his complicated history without saying he died a hero. And then they, like, walk out and share that information with Percy. And Percy will be like, okay, I'm glad you guys feel better about this. Yeah. I think they should have, like, a scheduled sleepover. Yeah. To talk about this. Because Tolly doesn't live with them. They need yeah. to, yeah, put that shit on the calendar. But I could see it happening in the way that, like, I never would have anticipated Nico's perspective on the whole outing scene, you know? that The fact yeah. that we got the sun and the star time with Nico to kind of recount previous moments where we were like, I don't know about that. I could see in the future, especially if Rick keeps writing books with these characters, them, like, reprocessing. Yeah. Everything Tolly could like, be there in book two oh of this series gosh. and we could have that. Literally. We literally could I have really that in this <laughs> Maybe that's what we're teeing up for. That's very plausible. Yeah. Because Talia, I mean, Talia truly had just as uncomfortable a relationship with Luke, but she was a little bit older. Like It seems like she has processed it a bit more. She processed it in the original series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her her journey in both the Titans Curse and also the last Olympian was giving us she's thought about it. Yeah, because she was ready to end it. At least in a static place, if not a fully healed place. It was Annabeth who was more like thrown off better because she was so young yeah. he was yeah. like mentor 
Yeah. Yeah. Tali and Luke were like close to the same age when they interacted, even if they weren't in, say, in The Last Olympian. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Interesting. Grover has a plan. Don't we love it? How many times has Grover been the one to come up with a plan? Only in spelunking scenarios. It would be be on (laughs) one hand. Spelunking scenarios, that's true. He has his strengths. He knows knows what he can offer. In this case, the plan is that Percy and Annabeth are going to go up ahead. They are going to try to get to the super clean waters up, up, upstream. And Grover is going to keep watch and lure the snakes away with a snake song if things start to go wrong. Because he can see better and he can play a snake song. You know, Grover is just going to give them some time, run away, and we're all going to meet at the exit, having accomplished everything. This isn't the first time he's had a plan since he's talked to that squirrel in New Jersey. But it does feel like it's the first time he's had a plan chronologically. Wait, it's not a squirrel in New Jersey. Oh, it was a poodle. It was a poodle. It, it was, was a poodle. owned by somebody, which is why it like knew about trains and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a fun lightning thief throwback. And we're lost in the woods in Moran, New Jersey. Oh yeah, this is this is where we get the buddies Frank and Hazel reference in case anyone was looking for that, in case anyone wanted to clock the co-workers. <sighs> it is a single line, by the way. Like it is immediately followed by Percy saying, like, yeah, I guess I did that a lot. I spent a lot of time. And are we and going to read into this? <laughs> Listeners, yes. <laughs> uh, you could jump in with the staff, Annabeth suggested. Sure, I said. The problem is climbing back up when I'm done. Annabeth pulled a rope from her backpack and smiled. You think of everything, I said, trying to sound happy about it. Oh, there's a reference here to Duran Duran, which Percy knows about, presumably because of the referenced Sally's LP collection. Which I just wanted to shout out since we had a very lengthy conversation recently about Jealous Guy being one of Sally's favorite songs. I love that reference. <gasps> really? You did. Speak on okay, it. We were yes. like, does this track does this track, are there like people roughly that age who would have parents who would expose them to this? But you're like, yes, this is a song I know. Yeah. Okay. I would say the Duran Duran reference is something I don't know as much. Because I never, I was never into like seventies, eighties. Duran Duran, I think like con- like time wise works a little bit more for Sally listening. Yeah, yeah. Like Hunger Like the Wolf was eighties. Is that like? Do we think Sally went to high school in the eighties? If we're going like Percy was born. If we're going, wow, the timelines are so confused. Oh wait, because they, they're not in like twenty twenty. They're in like twenty like what fifteen still. They're, They're like in simultaneously now. in 2012 <laughs> and now. That's but like, yeah, like okay. That's but, kind like, of like, how we're trying to anchor in. it and be like, Percy was 12 in 2004. That means he was born in 1992. So Sally being like a high schooler in the 80s tracks. That timeline checks out. I also have to complicate it even further because this book being directly influenced by young actors of a certain age of a certain struck project, that is changing the timeline too because these versions of the book characters are being heavily influenced by 12-year-old versions of the screen characters. And the 12-year-old versions were born, oh my God, do I have to say this out loud? Probably in like 2010. (laughs) Yep. So we're in the nebulous now. <gasps> we're nebulous. Yeah. But I do question, I mean, like, this. what this reminded me of, the whole Sally's LP collection thing, was Percy's famous Dean Martin slander in I Want to Say Sea of Monsters. Yes. Dean Martin to drive away the um, the birds. The Stymphalian birds, yeah. yeah. Sally's got some some records. No, but that wasn't Sally. That was Kyron's record. Yeah, but for Percy to even know who Dean Martin is and have an opinion on him, he must have gotten <laughs> that opinion from somewhere. Wasn't it from Kyron? No, Kyron liked... Dean Martin. Yeah, but like, wouldn't wouldn't Percy have like heard the records from Kyron and been like, "This is terrible." Oh, I guess so. <laughs>
Dean Martin is perfect. Well, we're entering Christmas season. We can't be slandering Dean Martin like that. Exactly. I was, yeah, I was gagged by that when it first happened. I was like, Percy, come on. I have no idea who Dean Martin is. Dean Martin sings the most famous recording of It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, which I believe Uh, was like one of the most popular Christmas songs until America came into the true spirit of Christmas and recognized... Mariah Carey. The actual... Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to quote Britney Spears in her recent memoir, The Woman and Me, quote, and yes, I will never just say her first name. She will always be Mariah Carey to me. <laughs> anyway, at this point, Annabeth says, time's up, bon voyage, and pushes Percy over the side of the cliff. Which is great and beautiful, and some things never change. All right. That, I believe, brings us to the end of the... <laughs> two of the chapters. section that we were going to discuss. It was fully two chapters. We we have we intended we have to discuss slowed more. down. <laughs> Speaking of bon voyage, Rebecca, there's a very important question that we have to ask you here on this podcast, which is, and you can think about it, take your time. Is Persebeth the greatest love story ever told? How can it not be? <gasps> is my response. <laughs> I mean, yes. In so many ways. Erica's so emotional. <laughs> she was Erica's like, like, we've indoctrinated the future as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is so much hope for like, the youth of America. <laughs> it was like, you know, their little witty banter in the beginning. They're basically childhood friends. You know, they have the best friends to lovers trope, which is arguably the best trope. But they still have like that dialogue between them that I love when they tease each other. And their little moments when they're like slowly developing their relationship, like in the Battle of the Labyrinth, when he's like about to go fight like a bunch of like demons or something, and she like kisses him. That was, and then he gets like blasted. Something like that happens. I don't know. Like, there's just so much about their relationship, and even like because Chalice of the Gods is when you really see their relationship as girlfriend boyfriend really true. Because they got together like last olympian and then they had the whole like blip during heroes of olympus you know of course house of hades with like persebeth crack because (laughs) they they went through all that together and then charles guys you see them like facetiming each other through like the iris messages and he's you know his inner monologue when he's like Oh, and that was like a victory to me, making her smile. I was like, yes. this book is so cute. And it's like, it's exactly what the person about the fans need. Yeah. A lot of people have said that, like use the word specifically evidence to refer to this book um, in conjunction with their answer to whether or not Persebeth is the greatest love story ever told. Which is wonderful because when we started this podcast and we started asking this question, there was less evidence. And now it's like there's even more. <laughs> like as we ask this question in real time, like their story continues to unfold and becomes like grander and more powerful and like more meaningful to more generations of people. It continues to be told. Do people say no? We've had some no's. We've had some maybes and some no's and some they're not my favorites, but I do like them. Guess, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. In this series, I mean, uh, though. We've had a lot of people be like, oh, it's them and somebody else. Mm. Yeah. They hold such a special place in my heart. Like, no other book shit could replace them, I think. Oh, well, thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> thank you for I'm being here today. Thank you for having me. The next time we are here, we will be back with a returning guest for the next set of chapters. We're going to talk to Ellison himself, and we're going to have to break down once again 
the man bun. We're gonna have to have the man bun conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys then. Bye, Bye. all. Bye. Goodbye.